Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by an Arizona-bound Patrick Mooney. Uh, no Sahadev today. He is on vacation this week. So as Patrick said to me in a text earlier, that means we get to dump all over him in this episode. I hope, I hope the opportunity presents itself organically for us to do so. Otherwise, it just feels forced. Uh, so uh, obviously... First, Patrick, how's the Arizona sunshine treating you? It's been good. It's been a, dare I say it, like quasi-normal experience after several disrupted seasons and spring trainings. Uh, We are back in the clubhouse with masks. Uh, Unfortunately, I barely know any of the players anymore, and like (laughs) they have no idea who I am. So like that clubhouse access would have been come in handy, say, last season or the season before that but uh after the lockout uh well you know what though can i just tell you a lot of them you don't have to get to know because they'll all be gone by july anyway so just kidding just kidding there is an element of that but it's it's nice to actually like not talk to people on zoom uh with all due respect you know uh it's nice (laughs) to uh, be face to face and see, you know, there's a lot of people in one place. So as you're working on stories, that is, uh, very helpful. And, um, other than that, it's hard to get a read. We'll talk about this later, but everything is still just like, so up in the air. Um, you know, it's March, whatever, nearing the end of March, you know, we're going to have the final four set pretty soon. And we have like, very little idea about what uh you know who's on or off the bubble it seems like every day there's a different player like oh wait how come he hasn't been in a game yet or why isn't that pitcher why is he progressing towards live bp like there's just a lot of that right now where even though i'm here i don't feel like i have like a super great handle on it because they're figuring it out as they go too okay so yeah we're recording here on on friday um it is say a Suzuki day he's going to be making his spring training debut later this afternoon for the Cubs and that that gets the focus but to your point Patrick it's funny I was looking at the lineup for today and I see that Jonathan VR is in the lineup I'm like I think it's his is it his debut too I think so and and like yesterday Manny Rodriguez was pitching and I'm like is this I think this is his first appearance and I mean I never feel like that. I never feel this discombobulated about like who has appeared, who's coming. Who, it's just, it it truly is uh, difficult to keep up with both because of the, you know, the nature of the lockout and the delay and the change in spring training and that stuff. But also just, you know, the Cubs have signed the most new big league free agents in baseball this offseason, like just by quantity, 
they are number one. So it isn't, you know, we, we shouldn't be too hard on ourselves. It is a uniquely uh, huge volume of new people coming in to try to keep track of. Uh, but, you know, there is one, at least one. Well, I mean, there's a couple, but that was my ham-fisted transition. There's at least one guy who's been around for a very long time. Indeed, he is the longest tenured player in the Cubs organization who is still with the team. And uh, I, of course, am speaking of Wilson Contreras, who uh, is in the, you know, he's in the headlines in the discourse this week for a variety of reasons. Uh, He's, of course, entering into his last year with the Cubs before potentially hitting free agency, something that he has said, if it comes to that, would be very exciting and interesting to him. Uh, We had the exchange of arbitration figures earlier this week, uh, Wilson being one of, it's a pretty large group this year, actually, which is unsurprising, given the timeline, but he's one of the players that didn't come to uh, an agreement, so is slated to have an arbitration hearing at some point early in the season, which also is just truly bizarre. Um, And then there's the ever pervasive discussion about like, Ooh, will they actually consider a trade this time with him? Is, are there going to be extension talks? And so I feel like we have to get into that a little bit because it's, it's top of mind with respect to the guys who aren't new here for the Cubs. And it's, I mean, I think I know where I land on what's most likely to happen at this point, but I'm just curious, like your sense of, of being there, being around the guys being, there with Wilson Contreras like what's the yeah the expectations for how this is all going to go down now I one of my like to-do lists of like future story ideas of just looking up the quotes from Javi and Rizzo and KB at spring training last year and just like you know like name that ex-cub or future ex-cub um (laughs) there are several layers to this I think as of I don't know 48 hours ago there were no trade talks ongoing. Uh, someone uh, kind of around the team told me, you know, it would be like a shock if Wilson was traded at this point. Um, but it's one of those never say never things where if, you know, what if there's a major injury in another camp? What if another team, uh, you know, sees something and changes their mind or kind of steps up or finds some sort of, uh, you know, extra room in the budget or whatever. So that could change. But at this point, you know, I think he will be their opening day catcher. Um, there was, as evidenced by uh, the differences in arbitration filings, no momentum towards uh, a long-term deal. And I think it's also important to remember that just in knowing Wilson a long time and speaking with him and reading, you know, his body language, uh, he's in a really good place. I think um, he understands the situation. You know, he made a point to say, look, I know there wasn't a lot of time to negotiate here uh, before the arbitration deadline. Um, You know, they have a lot going on. They've been adding guys like, I understand it's a business. Like he's really gone out of his way to explain that. And then just seeing him in the clubhouse during workouts, uh, he still has the same energy. Uh, I think he really enjoys um, kind of being the man and being able to put his stamp on the team. And I think, you know, he would like, 
obviously money is important in extension, right? Like that is the driving factor. But I think he wants to hear it from the Cubs of just like, you know, we value what you've done over the last, what, like 14 years. I mean, it's almost half his life working for the Cubs. And they, you know, he wants to, you know, hear about what their competitive plans are, but also to kind of like feel the love. And I think he uh, is not at all bitter about that. I don't know if he's necessarily expecting that, that if you look at the track record thus far, there has not been a ton of room for sentiment. Um, that also doesn't mean the Cubs haven't tried to retain some of those World Series uh, heroes from 2016. So a lot going on with Wilson, um, but I think the main takeaway is that he's in a really good place about it and that a younger Wilson Contreras might not have handled it the exact same way. That is how it comes off from the outside, at least. It's certainly like, especially when you... Um, see the interview he was giving about, you know, if an extension happens, great. If it doesn't, you know, free agency looks, you know, something really exciting. He said it would be a dream come true. But it was one thing to see that in print and another to see the way he's talking about it, where he just, it came off as just very relaxed, not, he wasn't, you know, expressing it in a frustrated way or like, a, you know, a way to try to create uh to sow discord, you know, to, to show frustration. It was just sort of like a, yeah, you know, maybe, and I, it made me think, I wonder to what extent his ability to be so at peace this off season with what could happen this year is, is driven by what he's seen happen in the last six, seven months with so many of his longtime teammates who were, you know, last year in the position he is now. Um, and, and seeing that things, ultimately generally went okay for them. You know, like it's like life goes on there. There is life after the Cubs and there is this transition that can be okay. So however it goes is fine. And I think I know a lot of us fans have, there's, it's like, there's two things happening at once because it's similar for us, right? We've seen, Oh, these, the trades can happen and we as fans survive it. And then these guys sign somewhere else and, we see them in the new uniforms and okay, we survived that too. And so we're braced for it in terms of whatever might happen with Wilson Contreras, because he is another beloved player that I think a lot of us just really like watching play, but we know, okay, if it happens, it happens and we'll be okay. But then there's this other half of our minds that you now maybe we could have said this about uh, any of the players, but like, when I look at Wilson Contreras and I look ahead for the Cubs, like next year, you know, specifically next two or three years, that that catcher spot is one of the harder spots for me to figure out what exactly the Cubs are going to do if they have designs on being competitive, you know, at least at some level in 23, 24, 25. I have a harder time figuring out like, okay, well, what does the catching spot look like if that's going to happen? Whereas maybe at some of the other positions with the other guys, I could at least say, well, I see a path, you know, I see what this could look like. And I got to tell you, I just have a harder time seeing it at the catching spot. And I do wish, I wish there were a way for them to, to meet on some kind of medium term extension, but I don't know. It's hard to have optimism about that happening given what's happened before. And given the fact that when you 
get to this point where it's a guy's about to start his final season and we know that the trade deadline will loom as another juncture it's just it's hard to have much you know confidence or optimism that a deal could happen yeah i think you're you're reading that correctly brad i guess if you're looking for a slimmer uh you know slim window for optimism it would be that you know wilson internalized everything that happened last year he saw how it distracted the team and how everything unraveled and i think is uh, really wants to set a good example. I think because catchers are so hard to find and because what he does on the field is really rare, you know, being that two-way catcher, the Cubs could eventually at some point maybe find, you know, a deal that the IV computer system will sign off on. It's just that they're not going to do it because Wilson plays as hard as anyone all the time and, you know, has been here since he was a teenager and is, you know, a great influence on some of the younger players from Latin America. Like that's, it's kind of being come clear. Like that's not really how Jed uh, is running this. And, you know, I think, it would also bear monitoring, and this is something we're going to get into, I think, in probably the next segment. But, like, it's really easy to say this now in spring training, right? Like, the games don't matter. The games don't count. Everyone's just happy to be back to work and getting the rhythm. But, like, what happens the first four-game losing streak? And what happens when, you know, another team checks in and it's on MLB trade rumors? And, you know, what happens with all these guys who are – largely unknown as major league players who do not have long-term job security and you know this team really doesn't have an identity and we'll like let's see when the games matter uh how everyone responds not just just wilson yeah i think we will get into that because i think that we you know we got the abbreviated off-season part two and we talked about that last week and we have both written about that extensively and at some point you do have to flip the switch into let's talk about this season mode but what's challenging about that for us is and for Cubs fans and for other observers of this team is that what the off-season was for them is so intimately tied to what this season will be because, you know, the the idea, and we've talked about this before, of, of giving yourself that 10 to 15% shot at competing and then you reassess in July, it, 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 that is part and parcel of what the Cubs elected to do this offseason with their moves and why there are so many new guys in camp and why it's so hard to project the roster. Because everything is being informed and decided on the basis of, like, how much can we expect to compete versus how much do we have to be thinking realistically about July as another threshold point at which we sell off and sort of continue to build for next year. And that ties to the Wilson Contreras discussion. It ties to what they decide to do with the rotation in the early part of the season. It ties to what you just said, like when that first four game losing streak pops up, it's like, how early do they go into sell mode? And and it, it does make it very hard to 
look at the offseason that has probably come to a close. It's highly unlikely that there's going to be additional significant maneuvering from here. It's hard to look at that through the lens of like, okay, here's how that helps create a winner right now. Because we've just, we've got it at the back of our heads that like, well, you know, you sign Jonathan VR, for example, and it's like, okay, makes any team would love to have, he can do so many things. He's just a great player to have on the bench. It is very hard though, not to immediately be like, ah, well, that's also what will make him so compelling in July at the trade deadline. Um, and so that, that just presents a hurdle for us uh, at a, at a cognitive dissonance level to be like, here's what, how the roster is going to shake out. Here's going to be the lineup against lefties, against righties, because we've been so conditioned, I think by this, this front office and the, the, the progeny of the Theo Epstein front office to view every season, not as sacred as uh, the quote once was, but to view every season as either this is a competing season or this is a, we're going to sell at the deadline season. And so I, I I'm still finding my, balance uh on that front and not and 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 trying to enjoy the possibility of you know marcus stroman being great and say suzuki being great and a lot of the um platoon opportunities that are clearly being set up being great and clint frazier he he's over it now and he's better and he's going to be great um and i want to get into that mode it's just that that pivot point between the off season and what it clearly was about and getting into that analysis of like you know there's 12 teams in the playoffs now how could they get one of those spots i'm just i'm finding that a a difficult transition and we're in that moment like right now as we speak right now yeah i think they're going to let it play out i think the pitching is obviously going to be key i mean that's what made last august and september you know just like so dreadful to watch and, you know, Wade Miley purposely was on the slower buildup. He's like, you know, if I ramp up and stop and start again, I'm toast. But, you know, he's someone not in the Cactus League game yet. I think live batting practice in the next couple of days as a, as a progression. And, you know, Hendricks and Stroman, you know, should be fine, you know, solid starting major league pitchers. And, you know, we give the Cubs credit for some of these diamond in the roughs that they've found over 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 the years, but it's kind of like the entire bullpen, and like, um, you know, and even the guys that you are counting on, you can very easily see a David Robertson or a Michael Gibbons like being traded uh, at the deadline, and you know, they the way it was. Ex- to me is like they are constantly looking to leverage the present for the future like that's every decision that's what they are going to uh lean towards and ultimately land on um as we get close to opening day and things start to define themselves a bit you know we can try and talk ourselves into how that might happen i mean you have to have an open mind and there are this is not a good division. It's not exactly the uh, American League East, but um, I think we've talked about this before. It's why, like, the tenor on Twitter, why there's not a ton of buzz about this team. It's because they have to go and prove it in a way um, 
that they haven't in a while that it's not this kind of big dramatic uh world series post world series story it's you know this is a team throwing a lot of stuff against the wall to see what sticks yeah that's well put and i don't want to forget the divisional aspect of this because while you know the brewers look very good they look better on paper now than they have in a lot of recent years when they have in fact been very good in results so it's sort of that makes it very easy to be like ah geez they're going to be fantastic because they just always find a way and now they look pretty good on paper but you, you don't know that um i think certainly with the cardinals a lot of the injury issues that they're already dealing with you know it, point there being only that sometimes as we talk about the potential for a team to surprise you to the upside a lot of times teams surprise you to the downside too that does happen you have to keep that in mind um i think you know the the parallel i've gotten or the parallel i've had trouble getting out of my mind i suppose is i think back to uh the offseason before 2013 uh very early in the rebuild uh, so it was the second off season of the Theo Jed front office when, if if folks will recall, they went after Anibal Sanchez and didn't get him, ended up getting um, uh, Edwin Jackson and, and some other moves that, I mean, there were a ton of short-term moves, of course, but they sort of paired it with like, a, again, a, a longer term signing that could help this year or, well, it would be good, you know, in the future as well. And I think it's been... It's hard not to notice that this offseason too, right? Like the Stroman signing and the Seiya Suzuki signing are clearly not something you would do if you intended to be awful for three, four, five years in a row, whatever. Like you just, that just wouldn't make no sense. Uh, but they could be consistent with an expectation that this year could be rough. And then maybe you, you're turning the page sooner after that. And so I think I'll probably be looking back at 2013 uh, sooner rather than later, because I'm curious how I managed this, the, the, this thing that we're talking about now, about like, okay, one eye on the future and the way you put it, that the decisions are being made with the eye on the future, but leaving yourself and the team leaving itself open to the possibility of surprising to the upside while maybe some divisional competitors surprise to the downside. And I, um, I think it will be interesting to see that play out. And I do look forward to when the roster gets gets whittled down a little bit more so that we can start having those conversations about like how you pair certain guys in certain matchups to create opportunities for guys to flourish and succeed. Um, I am dreading that first four-game losing streak, like you mentioned, because it's just the reaction to it is going to be uh, so visceral and ugly. And also, pre here's preemptive. I swear to God, if people start screaming at me the first like time, say a Suzuki has like a bad week or something, I'm going to lose my mind because there needs to be a lot more patience than that uh, on him. So please, that's please, that's just your preemptive. Uh, I implore you to have a little more patience on that. Um, I think that's probably where about where we'll leave it for today. I think I look forward to our pod late next week, assuming that this is probably about when we'll do it. I think we'll have increasing clarity on what the roster is going to look like on what some of the roles are going to look like. Um, not perfect clarity because some of this is by design. This is a very versatile roster, both on the pitching side and positional side in terms of like, who's going to fill what role that's, that's by design because you're leaving yourself open to a lot of possibilities. 
Um, but that said, I think we will have more next week. And I look forward to continuing to evolve toward that kind of breakdown where it's like, all right, how's this team going to win some games? Like, let's just, let's just go that way. Um, you got anything else you want to, you want to impart any parting thoughts? No, I liked your 2013 Cubs analogy. I was just on baseball reference. Like our Cubs got an all-star season out of Travis Wood. They had Jeff Samarja, Scott Feldman, Matt Garza, Edwin Jackson had a rough first year there, but like that was a pretty competitive on paper, at least more competitive on paper than probably what the Cubs are going to be going into. I realize the game has certainly shifted and they're going to have to get super creative and like this compressed schedule and like the injury risks are like through the roof. So maybe it's not a perfect comparison, but like, I think it's good to keep that in the back of your head as like everything coming out of spring training is like, Oh, best shape of his life. Or all this guy looks great. Or, you know, you focusing on that one good season he had like three years ago amongst all these new additions, like so many things have to go right. And the Cubs, you know, haven't exactly put themselves in the best position, but that's why they play the games. We'll see what happens. Uh, you, uh, through all of that, I managed not to mention last year's Giants team. I'm really proud of myself that I did not mention the Giants at any of that. I can't promise that won't come up, though, in the future. So uh, thank you, folks, for listening. Uh, we, Like I said, we'll be back at you later next week. Sahadev will be back and refreshed. Patrick will be tan and lush and you will see none of that, of course, because this is a podcast. It's on to Waveland. It's the Cubs pod. <laughs> you have to use your imagination. Uh, we talk about the Cubs here. I am Brett Taylor. You can catch my work at bleachernation.com. That is Patrick Mooney. He also writes about the Cubs, catch his stuff at The Athletic. He has an interesting piece on Chris Bryant and his transition to the Rockies up right now, which I enjoyed reading this morning. So you folks take care and we'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>